0: Hello, welcome back to the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. We are talking with Raul Carvajal again, in reference to insurances, types of insurances. He is an agency owner with American National Insurance. Uh, In the previous podcast, we heard a little bit about his background. So what we're going to do as we move forward with Raul's kind of insurance series is we're going to do shorter podcasts on specific types of insurance. And you can always send us a message um, once you hear the podcast if you have questions or uh, if you have content that you want to talk about, whether it's um, business insurance or workers' comp insurance or vehicle insurance or homeowners. We were just talking about some interesting, uh, unique kinds of insurance, such as alien abduction insurance or uh, insuring a body part. That seems possible to me, but we'll probably cover those in another podcast. Um, Raul, thanks for being back on. My pleasure. Thank you. Cool. So today we are going to talk about personal auto insurance. Probably most of you people have it, um, but do you know if you're insured correctly? And I think Raul is the guy to talk to, and we're going to touch on a few bullet points here that are spooky how little I knew about or didn't know if I had the coverage or not. So let's take it away. How do we start this off?
1: I think the first thing that I need to say is that auto coverages are typically based off of whatever your state requires. we we'll okay. call them state minimums. And one of the big glaring needs to get some information out to the public is that if you're just following those minimum state guidelines, you're a ticking time bomb. You are setting yourself up for financial ruin in a matter of seconds.
0: People, this is exactly why I want to have this particular podcast when I learned this. When he says he's a, you're a ticking time bomb, wait until you hear this, um, how this all plays out, because I think you'll be shocked and you'll want to review what kind of insurances you got. So go ahead and break it down. So let's, first of all, start with the scenario.
1: Okay. Uh, we are right here, Jefferson, Berkeley County. Everyone's familiar with I-81. I particularly jump on I-81 almost every single day. Every single morning, I hop behind the driver's uh, steering wheel of my rocket ship and I go flying up and down I-81 to meet with clients, to do my business. All it takes is a split second. How many times has a text message come through and you glance at your phone? Right. Something catches your eye because there's a weird piece of trash or an animal up towards the side of the road. You just look away for a second. That's all it takes. And on that road, all of a sudden, now you're in five, six car accident. And guess who's at fault? You are. Because you were the one that were distracted and you're the one that hit everybody. Okay. Those costs are going to really start to add up. So, you're responsible not just for the property damage, fixing everybody's cars, if you damage the... Hold on man,
0: you're freaking me out. Uh, can we back out of a five-car pile up and just do a, two cars? <laughs> two cars, okay. two <laughs> cars. For the sake of math, I'm just like, I can't even, fa- based on our pre-discussion, I can't fathom a five. <laughs> so let's just do two cars, okay? Sure, sure, all right.
1: All right. Smaller scenario, yeah. but so you're still gonna be responsible for fixing the other person's car mm-hmm. if you also cause damage to a telephone pole or guardrails. Any other property, you ended up in somebody's yard. That's all considered property damage that you're responsible for. Okay. Now, your insurance is going to pay towards that. But here's the kicker. Insurance companies are only going to pay whatever those limits of liability are that you set up on your policy. And that's why I wanted to talk today. So the state minimums in West Virginia are a split limit system. And I'll explain split limits in a second, but the numbers are 25000 50000 25000 And so when you're looking at your auto policies, you typically have three numbers separated out. Okay. So that first number is going to talk about your medical payments. So you hurt somebody. Not any, for me, for somebody else. For somebody else. Whoever you hit, you're responsible for their medical bills. That first number, that first $25,000 is going to pay for any one person's medical bills. That second number, the $50,000, is the total amount of medical bills that the company is going to pay for for the entire accident of everyone that you hurt. So, two or three people are in that car that you hit. That's where that $50,000 uh, limit is going to come into play.
0: I feel like that's. Never mind, continue.
1: <laughs> and then that last number, that second $25,000 that I mentioned, <laughs> that's your property damage limit. So if you think about hitting any car. Yeah, I have a 350 <laughs> You're not replacing your F-350 for
0: $25,000. So assuming that F-350 was totaled because somebody hit me or somebody was at fault in an accident. Like, for example, I had somebody pull out in front of me and um, they didn't see my big truck coming and I, I clipped the back end of them because they pulled out in front of me. If my truck was totaled, this person has $25,000 to fix my truck. So the
1: insurance company is going to pay $25,000 towards fixing your truck. The, the at-fault driver. Yes. The at-fault driver. Mm-hmm. And now whatever is left is going to fall on the driver that hit you. The person that was at fault. And here's what I mean by you are setting yourself up for financial ruins. How many people are just gonna pull the extra forty, fifty thousand dollars out of their pocket to be able to fix your truck. Just fix my truck, right. Just to fix your truck. God forbid you got hurt, and well, now we need to cover your medical let's, stuff let's on back top up, of that. Let's
0: back up for a second then, because I think another piece came into play there, the um, underinsured or uninsured insurance that I'm forced to carry anyways. Am I jumping ahead or?
1: <clears throat> a little bit, but okay. it, it, it ties into the same thing. And so the idea behind that is that your policy that you carry is going to pick up some underinsured coverage. Gotcha. So the person that hit you didn't have enough coverage to pay for your truck. Your policy is now going to pick up whatever that remainder
0: is. So hypothetically $25,000 is what their insurance is going to pay. And then my insurance kicks in for an additional $25,000 to replace or repair $50,000 in damages just on my vehicle. Okay. But the, my insurance company that covered it under under underinsured, motorists mm-hmm. will then go after the motorist who hit me. Exactly. And they're going to say, Hey, pay this bill. You yes. got it. Okay. So this is this is where the mind gets blown. I think people and we're only on one, only on one of these line items is that, okay, let's flip it, let's flip the script. Let's say I hit somebody and I, didn't carry enough insurance. That means somebody's sending me a bill for twenty-five thousand dollars, and I'm gonna be like, wait a minute, I had insurance, I'm good. Then I'm assuming the insurance company says, no, we covered it, we covered it up to the limit that you had, and then the rest of the truck got fixed by their insurance because you you were underinsured. Whereas I don't think I'm underinsured. I think I have insurance, so I'm good to go. But now you're saying they're gonna send me a bill, and I'm gonna say, bro, I ain't got twenty-five grand. And they're gonna say, cool, we'll see you in court. Go ahead and lawyer up but that's going to make 25000 even higher, especially because I was at risk and I was the one who chose to have the insurance rate that I wanted. Exactly. <laughs> okay, let's compound this with, God forbid I hurt somebody in my accident, 25 grand's not doing anything at a hospital. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. I haven't been there in a long <laughs> time, but I'm pretty sure 25 grand, it's not doing much. So that means uh, their insurance, is going to pick up because I was underinsured, but I'm also going to get a medical bill. You got it. (sighs) This is why I want Raul to explain this stuff to us. People check your insurances. Raul, please continue. I think, I think, I think I I was just trying to make it digestible in the way that I see it as someone who has no idea what you're talking about. Right? Absolutely. Okay, good. And so
1: that's, that's the scary part of this is that, most people don't understand what those limits mean, what they actually pay for, we all wanna just buy the cheapest thing that we can find, right? The state government says, you have to have this. Okay, fine, I will pay for it, but I'm gonna pay the absolute least amount that I can because you're making me have this coverage in place. And that's the scary part is, if you understand what coverage it's providing you, it almost seems ridiculous not to have more coverage in place.
0: So yeah, so the state makes me have insurance. Well, frankly, I want insurance anyways. I will naturally try to buy the most affordable because I'm not getting anything for my insurance unless I need it. So I want to I want to pay the, the least amount. People's financial situations are a mess right now anyway, so everybody's like, oh, let's just go the cheapest. But where you're saying the ticking time bomb is if you unfortunately are underinsured and you get into an accident, I don't feel like I've ever heard this happening to people. Like I I don't know anybody who's come out and told me, although I wouldn't tell anybody anyways if, if it happened to me. Is this rampant? It happens way more
1: than I think people realize. Most people driving on the roads today just have state minimums. And that's the real scary part. That's, that's why I, I wanted to talk about this because, yeah, it's, it's happening daily, people. The, these average, you and me get into these situations and they go from, you know, oh, man, finances are a little tight right now. We're trying to survive a pandemic to, wait a minute, I, I don't have $50,000 to pay this. Oh, now I've got to go to court oh now there's a lien on my house now there's all these other things happening to me
0: is anybody else's mind blown I wish I could see people listening to this because this is this is really bad I think it's really bad and then why does the state keep it so low who, who, who decides that stuff
1: so that's that's all set up by the Insurance Commission and uh, there's some legislation that uh, is taken care of in there as well. Uh, so your, your state um, legislatures. What would be the
0: incentive to keep it low?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with trying to keep pricing as low as possible for the average person in the state. The, the piece that I don't understand, though, is how that sets up financial ruin for everyone else you would think that you would want higher limits as a matter of fact the plenty of states have significantly higher limits uh, upwards of a hundred thousand dollars it seems fair in, in in several states are that high uh, a lot of states around in this area are more closer to 30 60 or even uh, you know 50 to $75,000, uh, those numbers are better. They still might not be perfect for your situation. It's important to sit down and understand what kind of financial risk you can take. That's the key to having an agent. We're gonna have that conversation. Gotcha. But it, absolutely, the, the state minimum should be higher because we're setting people up to fail.
0: So if there's three people in the car that I hit and I'm at fault, and they each require 20 to 40,000, and my second number is only $50,000, I'm still responsible for all that stuff. Yes. Do you... I feel like I'm being set up? I see the commercials, save this much money, choose whatever insurances I want. Here's here's hey, hey we want your business. I I am not gonna throw the company I worked with before under the bus, but this dude really wanted my business, and it's not necessarily uh, vehicle insurance. It was like business stuff, and I don't know we got off the topic a little bit, but. This dude wanted my business so hard that he he whittled a number down to something that he thought I would say yes to, even though I didn't haggle. He just gave me a number. This dude had me set up with my painters that work on roofs and work on ladders and equipment and whatnot. He had me, all of my painters listed as salespeople because that's how you get a lower rate if they're using tools or climbing ladders, your rates higher. So dude stole my business from the previous person, gave me a much affordable rate. I'm like, wow, that's how much it can be? Great. Thank you. You think I read those 20 pages that he sent me in my packet? No. Did you? Probably not. Maybe some of you smart people did. I know I didn't. And I found out when I had my buddy do an audit on my insurance and my insurance went up significantly, but now I have peace of mind that I've got a guy like you who is educating. I think that's the key, is understanding
1: what you're getting for your money. There's value in paying a little bit more for insurance if you're getting what you need to be able to protect your assets, to build your wealth,
0: and to be able to, quite frankly, just sleep well at night. And by assets, you mean your own house, your own car, uh, your family. Absolutely. Protecting those yeah. things. And, and This conversation doesn't have to be scary because it, it would be scary, especially if you find out you are currently underinsured. It's more scary if you're already being sued. But this conversation doesn't have to be scary, if the state changed the limits, and those limits would then increase the cost of insurance. When you have to pay it, because you're protecting yourself. It's insurance against, um, oh, Jesus. I just I, it's just blowing my mind. Is all I'm saying. Um, have we ground that into the ground enough? Have, what what else is there to say about that? Besides, get a hold of Raul? Tell
1: people I'm going to get a hold of you on this topic right now best way to reach out to me on this topic is to go to my website, timeforcoverage.com.
0: Okay. Raul knows what he's talking about and he can help you assess whether you're insured or underinsured or just talk to your guy even. I mean, this, this is stuff you need to know. I was happy to find out that my insurances were like 100, 200, 100, something crazy. They were higher than they needed to be, but I'm protected. They're probably not even higher than they need to be. They're probably where they, where they need to be. Right, because I'm kind of going off this 25, 50, 25.
1: Um, yeah, pretty common coverage in this area is somewhere around that 100, 300, 100 limit, right. uh-huh. uh, 250, 500, uh, you know, somewhere in those neighborhoods or… And that's what thousands I, of dollars, guys. Right, right. And that's, that's where I found that most people are most comfortable with that premium that I'm going to pay versus coverage that I'm getting. But again, it's, it's every individual need is going to be different. We need to sit down we need to talk about what are your risks how often are you on the road how much do you drive what kind of assets do you have in place maybe i'm going to carry lesser limits and i'm going to pay a a significantly less premium because i've got the bankroll that i'm just going to pay the claims out of my pocket i don't really need the insurance to pick up that bill are you that person (laughs) i'm not Yes. I'm certainly not either. Right. That's why I cover you know, the way that I cover. I've got a daughter that's getting ready to get behind the wheel for the first time in, uh, man, uh, about a year. That's scary to me mm-hmm. to know that she's going to be back there. And guess who's liable? I am. I'm the parent. I'm the one that's going to be responsible for anything that she does behind the wheel. You don't think I have coverages in place to make sure that I'm protected?
0: No doubt. No doubt. And here's the thing. When you... If you get in an accident, whether you're at fault or not, but let's assume you are at fault, you already feel bad. You're like, oh my God, I was distracted, or I was looking at my phone or whatever the case is, and you, and you hit somebody. God forbid you hurt somebody because you'll feel even worse, right? But all of that just to get punched in the stomach after the fact with a mega lawsuit. And it's not even the, at this time, it's not the person you hit suing them. It's their insurance company suing them. And I assume at some point they could sue you individually because of
1: the accident. Typically, there's uh, what's called subrogation. So the person that was hurt signs over their right to sue you to the insurance company, and the insurance company comes after you. So normally, that's going to be the case. You're not going to get that double-dipped. But you are going to have an insurance company coming after you with a team of lawyers who are going to be very good at what they're doing. Are you ready
0: to face that? Forget about it. I just talked to a lawyer asking what a lawyer would cost to go after a customer who's not paying. And it was like double what the customer had to pay me just to get started. And I was like, (laughs) well, lawyers are expensive. So good. I I feel like we've beaten this horse down pretty good. Would you agree? I agree. We've created some urgency. People double check your policies and and get a hold of Raul. But staying in the same vein of personal auto, I recently purchased a vehicle has been modified. So it's a Jeep with some big tires on it and whatnot. Um, it's not, if I get in an accident, the insurance basically looks like it's a regular Jeep off the lot. What if I have 10 to 20,000 in modifications? I'm not that guy, just saying, but what <laughs> if I did? So it all depends on the policy language, how it's written. There are
1: ways to cover those modifications mm-hmm. because you want to make sure that you're not just getting a standard Jeep. If you're made whole again, you want to get back what you to put... the awesome Jeep. Exactly, you wanna have that super cool Jeep that you're gonna be able to go out into the woods with. Right. right. Uh, so you you have to make sure that your policy is structured that way. Again, that's why it's so important to have an agent. Have a person that you can talk to, you can explain that situation, because if you're just going onto a website and you're just clicking buttons and selecting coverages, you're not getting what you need.
0: Man, that's what I've been doing for so long. I One of my policies is one of those website things. But I really do prefer having a relationship with somebody like you where you can get these answers. You can ask questions that might seem dumb to a friend or colleague. and It's not really that dumb if you're just asking somebody, whereas you can just travel through life thinking, oh, yeah, it's all fine. It'll all be okay. It's all good.
1: Yeah. It, it, it gives so much more peace of mind if you say, hey, Raul, what do you think about this? I was like, Kevin, you really don't need to worry about that, man. Okay, cool. I talked to a guy that's his whole world is knowing whether or not I need that or not. He says I'm good. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore.
0: Okay. What if I have a 1975 original Oswego Cutlass Supreme? Ooh. Now, blue book, it's probably coming in about $1,500. bucks. we are getting classy now. Right. Beautiful. Right. So what if it's mint? What if it's beautiful? How do you ensure a vehicle that doesn't uh, show value except for, I guess, the same thing as the modified, right? Very similar. And so
1: what you want to do is have in place a type of, we'll call it classic car coverage. You wanna have that language in your policy that's gonna cover original equipment, manufacturer parts. You don't want anybody working on your stuff. You wanna be able to select the auto body shop that's repairing it. Those are options that you can build into your policies because you wanna protect that thing forever. If you have the right coverages in place, if there's an accident, you can be made whole again but it's up to you and your agent to sit down and discuss what that means and putting the right policies
0: in place. Okay. I'll ask you that one off the radio or off the mic. I have one that's about my personal stuff. So it's only a business podcast world. Um, Here's one. I recently had an accident, not my fault, and they did some body work. got it good to go. After the fact I found overspray all over my windshield. I'm pretty aggravated because you assume this is a professional outfit. It's who the insurance recommended I go to. I already beat them up on how the work was done anyhow because they sent it back to me and it was not done. I took it back. They sent it back again. I'm not even trying to be uppity. It just wasn't the perfection that it was. It's a nice truck. It needs to look nice coming back out. Realizing now they got overspray on my windshield. You can only see it in the glare of night. right? Are you stuck working with the mechanics that the insurance company makes you use or recommends you use? Not necessarily. Okay. So, every company is going to be a
1: little differently uh, and, again, that's why you want to review your coverages, see what you have in place, talk to your agent, find out those answers. You can ask your agent that specific question and if they don't know, go to my website timeforcovers.com, because it's time for a new agent. Boom! boom. Uh, but depending on the company, you should have those options in place where you can pick the garage that you want your repairs done and they're going to pay for it. I can tell you that my auto policies that I'm writing do allow for that. Mm-hmm. I have a claim that uh, we're working on right now. I storm, young lady slid off the side of the road, banged up her car a little bit. She has some really good friends that she trusts their work. That's where she wanted her repairs done. No problem. Send them the check. She's getting
0: taken care of. That's good. That's good to know. And when you deal with online stuff, I feel like you're just nervous to ask questions. And somebody random calls you from New Jersey or Pennsylvania or whatever. Somebody who's like, okay, I'm the person who's handling this uh, claim. And you're like, I don't know. I definitely don't know who they are. I don't want to sound like a dumbass. So I'm not going to ask dumb questions You know, to them. Sure. I'll, Raul, I know you. I'll ask you dumb questions. Because... <laughs> Even on camera, I'll ask dumb questions because I want people to understand what I'm I'm learning also. So, good. I think our final topic is umbrella policy. How does that work for me?
1: So umbrella policies are designed to sit over top of your underlying policies. So on a personal line, just about everybody's going to have an auto policy and maybe like a homeowner's insurance policy or renters if you're not uh, you know a homeowner. So an umbrella, just like a real umbrella, sits over top of your head. It's going to sit over top of your policies. It's going to provide an extra layer of liability coverage for catastrophic events. So, our accident situation. Let's go back to that five-car accident. Okay. Now we're talking about significantly more than a hundred thousand dollars worth of you know damage or, or injuries, things of that nature. If we have an umbrella policy sitting over that, that policy is going to kick in and continue to pay until everything is settled up to whatever that limit is. And they can be a million, two million, five million, ten million, I mean we could go anywhere that we need to to make sure that you have the right coverage in place for you to protect your assets. But the idea is we don't at any point want a claim coming back to your pocket. So we need to put the right policies in place, layer them with umbrellas to, to make sure that even in the worst of times your insurance company and your policy is going to respond the way that you expected it to when you bought it
0: let's repeat that okay so go ahead
1: your insurance policy should respond the way you expected it to in the time of a claim
0: so when you buy insurance you think you have insurance it's possible the insurance you have will not behave the way you expect it to It won't perform the way you think it's going to. You think you are covered, but if it's, it's possible that if you're on what might seem like a budget insurance, it's possible you you may get burnt. So, okay, how do we get a hold of you? Again, go to my website
1: timeforcoverage.com. Okay. There'll be a contact me button. Click that and you can send me a message and I'll reach out to you.
0: Yeah, and assume Assume you should have a relationship with your insurance entity. Um, I can really see that there's a value in, in knowing the person or at least being able to see the person downtown or in your community where when you are seeing them face-to-face, they can't um, misguide you or take you down that road where you might get burned because then you can go wring their neck. If they do, that's what I would do. But anyway. Fair uh, enough. um, All right. Well, thanks a lot. Raul. Thanks for being on the podcast again. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. This was fun. I look forward to the next one. Have a good one. Today's intro and background music is written and produced by Peter Clark. The name of the song is Making Moves. Peter, the writer, told me this is the song you want to play when you're preparing dinner. Play it louder for pasta. And a little bit lower volume for poultry and meats. I'm not totally sure what that means, but that's what he told me. So check him out. SoundCloud, the album's called Peter Clark, After